welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. It's so good to be with you today. And now that you've just taken a seat, I'd like to invite you to stand. (laughs) And um, listen to the scripture for the day, which is Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once when he was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night. Haven't even caught a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, I'm a sinner. Leave, I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, There is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats upon the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed him. Now you may have a seat again. Recently, my husband Ken and I spent a week in Puerto Rico celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. And we Airbnb'd a little place in a real Puerto Rican village. It was not a resort, it was a village right there on the ocean. And every day I would walk down a gravel path and through a baseball field, out the other side, across the road, and down a few steps. And there was the most beautiful beach I have ever seen in my life. And it was private. I was the only one that sat on that beach most of the time. Well, except there was once I, I acquired a friend. I was sitting in my little canvas chair, reading or writing or enjoying the view. And all of a sudden, I saw movement over here. And I looked, and lo and behold, there was a crab as big as a softball. And what was even more astonishing to me was he actually had 
two little black eyes right on the top of his body. And I thought that cartoonists drew them like that just for the fun of it. <laughs> but no, that's how they look. So we did this little dance for about 20 minutes. He would go in his hole and with his pinchers grab some sand and then he would come out of the hole, peer over the mound of sand at me and then throw the sand off to the side and go back down. And we did that again and again and again. And you know, nature is quite the tutor. Just as I was convinced that crabs only look like that in cartoons, I realize I often think something is true and it's not. And I think that's what happened to Peter in the scripture and the story that we just read. I can't help but wonder what Peter was thinking as the story unfolded. Um, I'd like to think that maybe he would say think something like this. Now, refresh my memory. You were trained as a carpenter, weren't you? And you want me to go out again after we've been fishing hard all night, haven't even caught a minnow, and cleaned our nets? Surely you must have learned when you were studying to be a carpenter that this is the wrong time of day and the wrong place to catch fish. Yet what Peter chose to do was to take the boat out again. I wonder if, while he was cleaning the nets, he had one ear trained on Jesus. And I wonder if he wondered, who is this man? He's unlike any teacher I have ever heard before. Well, when, when they actually took the boat out and put the nets out, their catch was so big that it almost swamped two boats. Peter went to Jesus and said, I would like to go with you wherever you go and learn everything I possibly can learn from you. No, that's not how the story went. Rather, Peter fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Master, leave me, for I am an a sinner, and I can't take this holiness. Leave me. Leave me to myself. Well, Peter was probably used to, when people saw his imperfection, he was probably used to them turning and walking away. But Jesus wasn't like this. Jesus did not. I like to think for a minute what Jesus might have said that he didn't say. He could have said, when Peter said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, he could have said, you know, you're right. Now that I think about it, you really are a jerk. I'm out of here. Or he could have said, oh, come on, Peter, you're not that bad. That's okay. Come on with us. Well, by his silence, Peter, or Jesus was agreeing with Peter, yeah, you are a sinful man. 
And yet, his response was, <clears throat> don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men and women. Though the conversation between Jesus and Peter was the conversation between Jesus and Peter, there were other people around, and they were hearing this conversation as well, and their lives were changed. I think we too can be changed by overhearing this conversation that Jesus had with Peter. And I wonder, what's the message for us? I think it might be, you too are broken and beautiful, and I love you, period. The Japanese have a practice that they called something I won't even try to pronounce, and it's to repair with gold, the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. I wonder, is it possible that we too could become more valuable because of our brokenness? I worked at Bethel Seminary at one time, and I was the associate dean in the Center for Spiritual and Personal Formation, and that title never fit on a name tag. <laughs> we didn't have a dean for the center for a while, and then um, President Brushaber said, I have someone that I'm going to send to be the dean, and he will bring sunshine to the seminary. And that's exactly what he did. His name was Tom Carell, 70 years old, and I'll never forget the first time I sat with him in the coffee shop. Couldn't believe how honest he was about his brokenness and also confident of the beauty in his life. Well, we became good friends. Um, we'd go over to Joan and Tom's and they would come over to our house and, and he became really a dear friend to me. Well, one day, um, and I don't even remember what the topic was, he asked me a question, and probably wanting to look better than I thought I was, I lied to him. And immediately, I just felt rotten. And I don't think I slept well that night, and I got up early the next day and went to the seminary hoping that Tom would be there as well. Saw his car in the parking lot, threw my briefcase in my office, went and knocked on his door, and his big booming voice came out, come on in. So I entered, and he greeted me warmly, and he said, have a seat. So I sat down, and then he took his rolling desk chair, and he brought it over to me. Our knees were almost touching, and he said, so what can I do for you? And I said, Tom, yesterday when you asked me this, this is what I told you, and that was a lie. It wasn't true. And I said, so I've come here to ask for your forgiveness. And honestly, I thought that might be the end of my job. And yet 
I didn't much care what was more important to me was that there not be a wedge in my relationship, my friendship with Tom. Well, as soon as I asked for his forgiveness, he closed his eyes and turned his head up toward heaven. And he took his big hands, wrapped them around mine, didn't say anything to me, but he began to pray. God, lift this heavy burden from Jane's shoulders and remind her that someday I will probably be coming to her and asking the same. And then he kind of clapped my hands and he said, let's get back to work. Grace dissolves fear and embraces both beauty and brokenness. I think as a result of that experience, I have a little greater compassion for those who are afraid and try to pretend that they are something who they're not. As a faith community, I think it's important that we decide how we are going to be together. Now, I'm inclined to want to always look good, to be liked, and to be seen as really, really wise. Yet what I suspect I need more is to be seen clearly and honestly and embrace the whole of who I am, both the broken and the beautiful. And I have a feeling that's what you need as well. That's what we need from each other. Pastor and author John Ortberg wrote these words. The irony of masks is that although we wear them to make other people think well of us, they are drawn to us only when we take them off. And if you would like to see where he wrote those, those words are found in his book, Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. <laughs> well, some time ago, I spent a summer on a writing project out in Fort Collins, Colorado. And at the end of every day, two friends of mine and I would go out about a mile and a half outside of town and we'd drive out there and then we would rollerblade along this um, path that followed the Poudre River into town. And my friend Lisa, my friend um, Diane and I would get on the path and, and Diane usually was in the front and I usually carried the end. And we were going along and all of a sudden, I, we went around this corner, and I heard Diane yell, cord. And as I rounded the corner, I saw, sure enough, there was a pink, very thick nylon cord that was across the path and anchored at both trees. And, you know, it happened so fast, but just a little breakdown of, what we all did, Diane turned her body and so the cord would um, hit her arm and she has a scar to this day to demonstrate that. And she tried to actually break the cord but was unable to. Then Lisa, who was very small, just simply ducked under the cord. 
Now, I am not that small, and so I knew I needed to do something else, and I dove into the underbrush, the side, hoping that the Poudre River wasn't really close to me. <laughs> and as we dusted ourselves off and realized there was nothing broken, um, Diane had a gash on her arm, but for the most part, we were okay. All of a sudden, I remembered something. I remembered that back down the path, we had passed three little boys on bikes. And I thought, hmm, it's very interesting. They haven't come upon us. And I thought, I bet I know who tied the rope across. And I jumped up on the path and said to Diane, um, I said, I'm, I have an idea. Um, I'll be right back. And so I went down the path and just saw a wheel from a bike disappearing into the underbrush. And I realized, mm, yeah, I think I know who did it. And I said, boys, I'd like you to come out right now. Well, two came out. And I said, are you responsible for tying that pink cord across the path? And as children do often, they said, no, it was Matt. And they pointed <laughs> in the underbrush where there was a boy still hiding. And I said, Matt, I'd like you to come out right now. And he came out, and he was the smallest of them, and he was just shaking like a leaf. And so I drew him to me, turned him around, put my arms around him to help him stop shaking, and I whispered in his ear, Matt, did you tie the cord across the path? And he said, yes. And they helped me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, guys, do you have moms? Yes. Do you have sisters? Yes. And I said, think about it. What if it had been one of your moms? one of your sisters who had been going along this path and encountered the pink cord, I said they could have been hurt very badly, perhaps even killed. And I said, I don't really think that that's what you wanted. And they said, no. And I said, and I don't really think you wanted to do that to us, did you? And they said, no. And I said, tell you what, I'd like to ask you to help me with something. When we blade, as we do almost every day, sometimes there are twigs and branches that are on the pathway, and that's really dangerous for us, especially if we're coming around a corner and see them at the very last minute. And I said, I wonder if you would be our friends, and if you would help by taking those twigs when you're riding along on your bikes, and taking them off the path so it's safer for us. And they all three smiled and nodded, and, and they said, yes, we'll, we'll do that. And by then, my friends Diane and Lisa had come along the path, and I said, I want you to meet my friends. This is Lisa, Diane, I'm Jane, and we would like to be your friends. And they were nodding their heads by that time, and uh, it was so interesting. In the following couple of weeks, we would be blading along and see those three, and they remembered our names, all three of us. And it would be, hi, Jane, hi, Diane, hi, Lisa. And I'm 
pretty sure that there were less twigs on the path as a result of this new friendship. Well, grace dissolves fear and embraces both beauty and brokenness. Let's pray. God, please help us to be together as a community in such a way that we embrace each other's beauty and brokenness, the whole of who we are. Help us to be known for that, that type of love. And we thank you that you are present with us and ask that as we go into communion, you would touch all of our hearts in whatever way they need to be touched. Amen. It is our practice at Awaken to celebrate communion together every last Sunday of the month. And we're going to do that right now. Communion is remembering, remembering what Jesus did, the reckless, almost unreasonable thing that he did for us, which was to die on the cross and then be raised from the dead. So in communion, we remember what Jesus did. And also, he asked us to remember. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Just a few things. Um, the red is the wine and the white is the grape juice. And if you prefer gluten-free, we have that upstairs at the bar. So I'd like you to come, um, invite the servers to come forward at this time. And I'd like you to come whenever you're ready. I'd also like to invite the kids to come for a taste of honey. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.